Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode 206 of the Spoiler Alert podcast, brought to you by MovieOutsiders.com. This is Mike. I'm here with Danny. And tonight we're going to be discussing the new installment in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Avengers Infinity War. Danny, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Mike. How about yourself? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Now, neither of us can be doing quite as well as Avengers Infinity War is doing. It set the new global box office opening weekend record. Yeah, it made twice what I made last weekend. (laughs) Just about. Yeah. I mean, this movie made $258 million domestically in three days and over $500 million globally in three days. This movie is the number one box office weekend champ, the number one Saturday, the first opening Saturday champ, the opening Sunday champ. Hmm. It's it's tied with Star Wars, uh, The Force Awakens for the fastest to 300 million domestically. Tied being like what? They get it by the hour? How does it tie? They can only do days, they both, right? They both hit it in five days, okay, right? Five right. days. Right. It is expected that by Friday or Saturday of this week, it'll cross the billion dollar global mark. It, so in 10 or 11 days, which would be the new record, previous record was okay. 12 days with Force Awakens. This movie um, was voted most likely to succeed. This movie <laughs> satisfied your wife on its first attempt. This wife, this movie um, usurped all your friends. They like it better than you now. Well, that's to be expected. This movie got the big promotion that you had been trying for and failed. <laughs> this movie's just broken about every. Your kids like this break. movie more than you? Yeah. Yes. Right, yes. In right. fact, your parents like this movie more than they like you. <laughs> sure, sure. They're not supposed to have favorites, but they do, and it's Avengers Infinity War. <laughs> it's just enormous. And and we all knew that going in, right? Like, we all knew this was where this was headed. So the fact that yeah. the sort of, like, box office pontificators are like, well, it should it should do all right. Like, oh, oh really? Yeah. It should be fine like it might it might do better than the first ant-man movie what else you're setting your sights a little low what else opened this weekend what what else was there that it competed with do you know anything this is it this is great great release date for sure well and and marvel moved up to this release date right i think originally it was supposed to open next weekend um they looked at the calendar and thought why not give ourselves another couple of weeks before we get to solo a star stack the deck a little bit also a Disney property, also likely to be a fairly large box office sure. hit globally or in the U.S. Uh, so they just backed up the tape and gave themselves the largest spring opening of all time, the largest April opening of all time, just crushing record after record after record. I'm not denying anything that you said, though we don't fact you check shouldn't. this. Uh, but, Especially but about it satisfying your wife. I, I just feel like every time we talk about one of these types of genre films... You rattle off those same statistics. Like this is the the quickest Thursday in an April that any movie has ever done this. And it's totally. like are they inventing statistics to make this sound better? They absolutely are. Okay. And that's what's so hilarious. Because I actually read this was like boy, like South Korea had this is the largest movie ever to debut there. And we really do get, like, it's the fastest or largest box office on a Thursday after Good Friday. <laughs> right, and right. And you can just is... slice and dice that data <laughs> so finely. But, I mean, at the end of the day, this movie is already bigger than the the total cumulative domestic box office of several of the Marvel pictures. Okay, all right. In 
three days, in I, five days. It's already just it's huge. I also feel like with the predictive analytics that that we must have available to us at this point, that these prognos- these box office prognosticators must be able to tell any studio exactly what that movie's going to make for the first ten weekends that it's out. Right out of the gate. Like, I mean, what what surprises us? Get Out was a surprise last year, right? Like, that, that yes. one w- was not predicted to do as well as it did. A Quiet Place. This a Quiet year Place. Is a surprise. Sure. But I'd say nine times out of ten, they, they can they, they can get it down to the nearest thousand dollars for what a movie's going to make. and it, Yeah, it's all about that opening weekend and then what's the multiplier. Right, right. Right. They look at comps. It's like if you're selling your house and they say uh, three houses in your neighborhood sold. So well, here's the comps. So here's what we'll, we'll price it. They'll look at this movie and say, here's how it did. Here's the opening box office. So based on that and using these three similar type movies and event tentpole pictures as comps, it's going to earn a 3.16 multiplier, which means this movie's going to make $712 million domestic. I wonder if these prognosticators... Like they just know, yeah. I wonder if these prognosticators have now figured in how much money a movie won't make based on the fact that MoviePass doesn't let you see the same film twice. That's an interesting comment. Uh, so MoviePass has also been kind of going through the ringer the last few weeks. They actually, for a while there, suspended the one movie per day plan and were selling a you-can-see-four-movies-in-a-month plan. Ooh. But you got a free uh, trial of iHeartRadio oh, with your well, subscription. Oh, well, I would totally do that. Which, for a movie fan, is just as equivalent as a, <laughs> another 27 movies in a month. But... <laughs> But just you get a today, Taylor announced- Swift t-shirt. You'll you'll <laughs> right. love it. You can see one movie a month and wear your Taylor <laughs> Swift t-shirt there. A new John Updike novel. Right. <laughs> you got like something that every movie lover can't wait to sink his or her teeth into. Um, but they just announced today they, of course, are coming back with the one movie per day. You'd think but so. still no doubles. Still, still no, no doubles, doubles, still no premium features like 3D or IMAX films. Do you still need to take a picture of your movie stub, your movie ticket? Nope. And send it? Nope. That's interesting because I, I now have to do that, which is sort of interesting. I didn't used to before. Oh, now you're I like need in to. probation. Yeah, I, th- I think they're yeah. w- making sure that I'm not messing with them. Buddy, why don't you give us a little uh, plot recap of Avengers Infinity War? I sure will. And for anybody who hasn't been following the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the ongoing uh, stories of the Avengers, the Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, and all the other different sort of intersecting characters, let me just say up front, this is not the movie for you to enter the series with. We had Black Panther, which came out earlier this year, huge box office hit, beat Titanic at the domestic box office, giant movie. That's a fine entry if you just want to see one comic book movie and sort of check it out. This movie is a payoff of sorts for people who've been following the the franchise way back since 2008, 10 years ago with the launch of Iron Man. So at its heart, this movie is the story of Thanos, the Mad Titan, who is an intergalactic thug who's been going around murdering half of uh, different planets' populations in an attempt to control their populations, prevent overcrowding and resource allocation. So he's, in his mind, he's a great guy. He's doing the universe a favor. And Thanos has been working for several films now in the background, either by proxy or in post-credit scenes, uh, sort of reaching out across the cosmos to collect the Infinity Stones, 
uh, six multicolored MacGuffins invented by comic book writers years ago that when they're collected as part of the Infinity Gauntlet, give Thanos or whoever wears the gauntlet the power to do just about anything. And what Thanos would like to do is destroy half of all life in the universe. So some of these Infinity Stones are scattered throughout the universe, a few of them on Earth, which brings Thanos to our planet, where he encounters Iron Man, Captain America, Falcon, the Scarlet Witch, uh, Vision, War Machine, Doctor Strange, Hulk, who's back from space, Thor, who's back from space but partnering with the Guardians of the Galaxy, who are out in space. Just about everybody. Uh, It's sort of a ridiculous litany of great cameos and uh, special appearances from all of the different Marvel properties, including Spider-Man, which is not a Marvel property proper, but produced by Marvel finally. Uh, They all uh, sort of come together work independently and as a team to try and destroy uh, or thwart Thanos and his uh, sort of evil minions in his effort to destroy the universe. And the movie cuts off at the halfway point because this is really the first of a two-part series. We'll get Avengers 4 next May, and that's when we'll finish the plot recap. And, and you, of course, knew that there is a second part of this movie coming. Of you, course. you knew going in. I, I did not. Oh, you did not? Okay. No, no. I mean, I assumed there were more coming. I I think I'm just always for eternity going to assume that. But I did not know that this was part one of a two-part series. Well, what did you think? Knowing that you came in a little bit cold, this isn't your your milieu, but you have seen a number of these. Yeah, I I haven't. And I agree with you. This is not the one to jump into if it's your first foray into this universe. And I'd go one further and say, even as somebody who has been kind of dragged along semi-willingly to many of these uh, for the purposes of discussing them on the podcast, even I entered it a little bit confused. Uh, I, I, I don't, I've never rewatched any of them. So when I enter a new Avengers movie, I'm not familiar with the backstory. I'm not quite certain how some of the standalone character Avengers movies that have come out in between the Avengers proper films do or don't tie into the story of what we're watching. So all of it is always a little bit confusing to me. And so I feel like this one, it starts off with a punch. It's action from the get-go. And I'm sort of like, I don't know what's going on here. I, I don't recall where we left off last time. That said, I did enjoy a lot of the payoff of having seen a lot of these films. A lot of the characters being brought back that you haven't seen in a while. All of them getting their own little vignettes. I love the Guardians of the Galaxy. I enjoyed both of those films. So having them play a central role in this was a lot of fun too. I'd say overall I liked it. How about you? I really enjoyed the movie. I I think it is about as successful an attempt for this type of movie as could ever have been expected. And and I think this might be one of the most comic book-like comic book movies I've ever seen. It rewards people who've been hanging with the series for a long time, right? You could go buy a comic book today. Actually, The the Infinity Wars is a a multi-episode or multi-issue comic series uh, from decades ago. So you could actually go pick up the storyline that this is based upon. But... If you just went and bought a graphic novel or a collection of comics, it's going to pick up kind of in the middle of a story with characters you don't know everything about. It's going to reward those fans who've been 
going along for the ride for a long time. All the fans who stayed through all the post credit scenes and watched all the Easter eggs and and sort of tracked where are all the Infinity Stones. All that gets paid off here. So that is the total positive. For me, it was a fun ride. I really enjoyed it. The downside is you're trying to serve, I don't know, 30 different characters. Yeah, right. It's an insane amount. So no one gets a lot of time. So if you went in not already loving these characters, you're not going to leave loving any of them because none of them get very much to do or say. Cutting Paul Rudd and Jeremy Renner was probably a good idea, right? Like, did they die in a previous movie and that's why they're not here? Or no. They're, they're still around. We just didn't have time for them. They, they name-checked uh, Hawkeye. Oh, they Jer- did? Jeremy Renner, they, they sort of said he retired for now. Oh, okay. But, but Ant-Man and the Wasp actually have their own movie coming out in two months, which is actually, confusingly enough, a prequel in that it takes place... <laughs> Before be this movie's timeline. So that should hope, hopefully explain where Ant-Man and the Wasp were because they're not here. So filming. where are they? They were filming. Right. They were on set. Right. They were right. doing something else. <laughs> right. So what did, what, what did you like about the movie? Uh, well, exactly what I said. I, I think that it it was fun to have characters keep popping up. I liked the Peter Dinklage character a lot. Sure. I thought that he was really funny. But I keep coming back to the Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, these are two movies that I reluctantly went to go see for our prior discussions and both times felt like I shouldn't be such a about these. These movies were hilarious and really enjoyable and entertaining. And in this movie, they were my favorite characters. I thought that they were the most emotional characters. I thought that their storylines were the most poignant. And I also think that Star-Lord is one of the funniest characters in all of comic book-based movies. Well, I I really enjoyed them as well. And I think they really highlight how cannily Marvel has been at putting together this run of films. Because they're a total, like, B or C-level property in the comics, right? Like, pretty fringe. I don't know many people who could swear... That they used to love all the Guardians of the Galaxy comics. But the movies have been totally enjoyable. Those are movies that you can, especially the first one, you can go in cold having seen no other comic book movies and just enjoy. But they also are, of all the characters in this movie, the ones, I mean, because of Gamora played by Zoe Saldana, they're the most deeply connected to Thanos, the major villain, Who's been lurking out in the the fringes for for 19 movies now, but they are directly tied to him. So even though they only have two movies to their name and they feel like the outsiders, they're really connected to the central villain here. So it makes total sense for them to play a central role and they carry a lot of the movie, which was really well done. Well, I think each of them got more face time in the film than any of the Avengers individually, right? Like, like which of the Avengers is the lead in this film? I don't know that I, I would consider any of them to be. And all of the Guardians seemed to be on screen more than the Avengers in the movie. I'll tell you, one of the things I loved about this movie is with the Guardians... This movie was very good at keeping the tone of the independent films, the the individual films, um, sort of coherent and bringing it together. And what I mean, uh, the great example of that is Thor Ragnarok, which came out last year, was hilarious. Mm -hmm. I think even more so than The Guardians, it was just an outright comedy. 
and Chris Hemsworth as Thor was riotously funny. And I remember during that episode, we talked last year, I was concerned, how do you bring him back to the overall Avengers now and be really serious and the universe, the fate of the universe is in in doubt, right? Because he's just this goofy nerd almost. And I think they did that beautifully. And Thor's scenes with the Guardians of the Galaxy were laugh out loud funny. Like, I don't care who you are. That was good stuff. Chris Pratt and Chris Hemsworth together was electric watching the two of them. My favorite scene of the film. Absolutely. I mean, I, I thought uh, Thor Ragnarok was one of my favorite movies of last year. Uh, and I thought that when you put the two of them in the scene together, it was laugh out loud hilarious. It, it, unfortunately, that was early in the film and, and never quite recreated again. But I thought that was brilliant. Uh, another thing that I, I really enjoyed, actually, I thought Thanos was done really well. Thanos in this movie is played with motion capture, uh, portrayed by Josh Brolin. And because he's he's been on screen for a number of years in these small post-credit scenes, you know, you kind of see him out there. I feel like they've had a long time to evolve the CGI and sort of evolve the look and feel of that character. Hmm. Because if they would have brought in the same character that we saw at the end of the original Avengers it would have been really disappointing. And I thought the CGI was really well done. And they give Thanos, he has the most screen time of anybody in the movie. For a Marvel villain, his his end goal is surprisingly well thought out. And they they portray him with a good amount of empathy where while we don't agree with what he's doing, trying to kill half of all life across the universe, we understand where he's coming from. And I feel like Josh Brolin actually tries to act uh, maybe more so than like Mads Mikkelsen from Doctor sure. Strange yeah, yeah. or, you know, some of these other villains that, you know, um, Corey stole from Ant-Man who are just sort of disposable and forgettable. I thought Thanos, they did a really good job with. What did you think about Thanos? Yeah, I, I agree completely. I, it took me a while to understand quite what his villainous intent was. Um, so... The whole, I guess he talks about trying to achieve balance a lot. That that's sort of his theme, and and that his his goal of eradicating half of the half of all life on the universe is somehow to achieve balance. I don't quite get how that achieves balance, unless he's talking about just balance with the rest of the universe. That life is consuming all else, and it just overpopulation needs to be curbed. It, okay, I, I mean, if that's that's his goal, it, it's also sort of weird. Then, well, why is that his job? What 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 gave Thanos the the card that says, "Well, you're the guy who's going to have to do it all. Or you're the guy right. who should do that all." Did you just think this up one day? So that that aspect of his character, I was a a, a little bit confused by. But, but but what I will say is, I loved the ending of the movie, and I found it dark and haunting and. I actually gasped that, that now at the time I thought this was the end of the this was the end of this this series right I was like whoa didn't see that coming now I know there's another movie coming and of course to bring everybody idea. back to life or something like that I don't know but uh, I I found the ending of this movie on the level of Chris Nolan's Batman films as far as a genre film ending goes and a a dark somber tone this one achieved it. Well, and it's very bold. It's very gutsy. And since this is spoiler alert, we're going to spoil it for you, uh, for anyone who's listening. The big twist, I guess, at the end of this movie is that Thanos 
wearing the Infinity Gauntlet, collects the Infinity Stones, and snaps his fingers, killing half of all life he in the wins. universe. He wins. He does it. And, and their deaths are really frightening. It reminded me of, of Steven Spielberg's War of the Worlds when those aliens would just vaporize people into ash in the street in that opening scene. That's, that's kind of how these people are dying. It's not that they don't, they don't even die gruesome deaths. They just dissolve into dust in four or five seconds. It's really creepy looking. It's creepy. And, you know, when Tom Holland's Spider-Man is fading away and he's sort of saying, I don't want to go. Yeah. You know, here's like a teenage kid. I mean, it was just, it was really manipulatively heart-wrenching, right? Like they, yeah. they all played us like Stradivarius, I guess. Um, but yes, it, the fact that they, they did that and pulled it off. Now, of course, there's a sequel coming. Of course, we know that some MacGuffin will reverse the bulk of this, if not all of this, right? We we all know that. Um, but it, it was gutsy, I thought, and, and pretty brave for them to do it. And um, one of the things I'll just sort of end with uh, things I liked, in addition to that bold ending where, where we saw a number of characters with whom we've spent time over the years sort of fade away, there are other deaths in this movie, other on-screen Marvel deaths. Notably... Uh, Loki and Heimdall from Thor um, both die early in the film at the hands of Thanos and his thugs. And my understanding is that those those are final character deaths. Now, Loki okay. has died before. He died in Thor yes. The Dark World. So, right. we, again, we'll all believe it when we see it. But there's real emotional heft to sort of saying goodbye to some of those characters right away. And, uh, again, I thought it was a pretty... I guess a bold choice and and gutsy for sure. them to move forward. Uh, Vision is probably dead. Paul Bettany's character is probably gone uh, for good. So we'll see. You know, one th- one thing that I didn't like. So, <laughs> so Infinity War is an appropriate name for the film, uh, given that it went on for Infinity. This was a <laughs> two hour and forty long minute battle scene. And, uh, I mean, it's 10 minutes into the film before you even get the, the title card. You're like, oh, my God, how long have I been sitting here? It's, it's <laughs> But there's in the last 15 minutes of the film, I didn't like the way uh, Strange gave up his stone to Thanos to save Iron Man. To me, it seemed like lazy writing at the end. I didn't understand why he would do that given what they were trying to achieve and it seemed to me like we need to wrap this freaking movie up and and we we can't have him get all of the infinity stones into his liberace glove until you turn this one over willingly and so we did and i just felt like well that was that was kind of random these guys only met a few hours ago <laughs> this is sort of weird and that's interesting that you thought it was lazy that way because i felt like it was lazy the other way in that Earlier in the movie, Doctor Strange says he looked into the future and saw 14 million possible outcomes, and only one of them did they win. And so I thought, well, the cheat here is, of course, he gives his stone up because he's he's seen that he has to do that in order for the one out of 14 million outcomes to come to pass. So in the next movie, we'll find out that he, he put a curse on the time stone and that, uh, you know, Somebody will be able to snap their fingers and rewind the tape to the moment, right. the last moment the time stone right. was used or something, right? Like, clearly that's like the easy out of, well, we're going to do this horrible, awful thing. We're going to kill half of all life in the universe. 
but don't worry, it's because Doctor Strange knew what he was doing all along, and he would never just give up the Time Stone and condemn half the world, the universe to, to death You're right, for Tony right. Stark. Right. So I thought it was lazy kind of the other way. Like, okay, okay. So either way, one of us is right, or we're both right. It it, it just felt a little a little lame. And having said that, I also have issues, as you do with any comic book movie, there are just some MacGuffin kind of like stupid things that get done, right? Like like early in the movie when they're looking for Vision and they say Vision's taken himself offline. Like my eyes ached from rolling in my head at that. There's an ongoing gag that the Hulk is having like performance issues because Bruce Banner can't become the Hulk. And it was like he's got like erectile dysfunction that just was dumb. And I'm sorry, I know it's cool and I'm sure it must sell a lot of toys, but Tony Stark and now Spider-Man's outfits being like nanotechnology yeah. that this this metal that can do like anything. the lululemon metal yes <laughs> it can do anything you need anything the script requires their suits can do yeah and it's like i kind of at that moment pined for the days when it was a little more straightforward of like it's a guy in a metal suit and yeah. it can fly <laughs> and like shoot a laser beam and that's like kind of all it is and it just feels like i know it's a comic book movie you just got to roll with it, but some of those things were just so eye-rollingly ridiculous that you just got to move on. And of course, I had to get a little bit frustrated with the ending that, before it became the true ending that I appreciated, the ending that just drags on forever and ever and ever, I was kind of amazed that Elizabeth Olsen's Scarlet Witch got such a pivotal role in that she's sacrificing Vision so that Thanos can't get the final stone. And you actually think she's achieved it. And I thought, wow, that was kind of an unexpected, cool way for this movie to end. But nope, he's yep. not quite dead. We can, what, is Thanos able to, like, turn back time five minutes so that he's still alive and the stone's still intact? And, and oh, great. Because he has, what, because he has the time stone now, right? Is that why right. he's able yes. to do that? So, yes. yeah, <laughs> just, of course, the no movie can end in two hours. No comic book movie can end in two hours. No, and what is up with that? I mean, if you've seen a movie recently that needed a frickin' intermission, it's this one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if not just for the two-hour and 40-minute runtime, how about just the weight of 19 prior movies that we've all sort of been powering through? It's all coming together. It's okay to just give us 10 minutes give us a to, beat use, here. to use the can and buy another soda. <laughs> sure, and then sure. we'll, we'll go right back in. Yeah. What is up with that? I also don't like that antenna girl in the Guardians of the Galaxy. What? What's she? She creeped me out last Mantis. time. Yeah, and she really, she really bugs me. Every time she's on screen, it's sort of a a cipher. She says something really stupid and kind of useless. Like, like the world's crumbling around her, and she'll say something profound, like something's happening. And it's like, sh- shut up! Like, yeah. of course, of course, it is. She is funny with. Drax, however, played by Dave Bautista. The two of them together is sort of a good a good combo. I also thought they handled the uh adolescent Groot pretty well. You know, again that he all again all he says is I am Groot, but just the fact that everyone else now can speak his language and they're like, Whoa, language <laughs> like they're busting right. his chops. Right. Uh and the fact that Thor also speaks Groot was a great comedic beat he said it was like yeah. required it was like a requirement back right. on asgard <laughs> right, it's right. like two years of spanish right like he had to take <laughs> he had to take the tree language what is up with red skull showing up i'm sure you didn't catch this but I, I don't know who that is i mean i know who the character was in the film but i don't know that 
I, I don't know his prior Marvel so that, backstory. Red Skull is one of the oldest Marvel villains in that he oh, was okay. Captain America's chief villain. He was like the Nazi uh, Captain America. In the movie Captain America, the first Avenger, he's played by Hugo Weaving, who did not have a great experience with Marvel, and therefore in this movie is played by somebody else and voiced by somebody else. I see. But we last saw him at the end of Captain America being whisked away into the ethos by the Tesseract, which is one of the Infinity Stones. And so when we find in this movie he's been hanging on some planet, just kind of guarding another Infinity Stone that apparently... Not only um, can anybody just show up, if you show up on this planet and kill the thing you love the most, you just get the stone, and yet the stone is sitting right there. So I was like, wait a minute, has has someone come here and done this? Or do they like all show up and Red Skull tells them and they're like, oh shoot, I didn't. I didn't bring, bring what I love the most. Right, right. Like, like, I'll be right back. Like, don't let anyone else take my spot in line. <laughs> I was here first. I got the soul stone. And he's like, dude, it's first come, first serve, but you got to... You gotta hurry you, back. You gotta gonna... bring what you love the most. And Thanos <laughs> is like the guy who's thought enough to bring what he loved most. Sure, sure. Uh, but I thought it was a weird, a weird Easter egg to bring back, right? Like this guy, okay. he's been out of this for like 15 movies. He was in one, and he's just like a weird character to pluck to drop down on this weird planet in a robe. Gotcha. Uh, okay. It's kind of crazy. What's up with the Scarlet Witch's witchy gross hands? Like it's so distracting. She's she's really a bad character. You know, she really is and she must be embarrassed every day on set when she's doing her stupid hand curling. The, and I think with maybe nothing even, shooting out of it. Even more so than like Mark Ruffalo who's wearing a motion capture suit with like all the little dots all over his face and he's wearing like yeah. a lycra jumpsuit. He must feel cooler than her just standing there contorting her fingers right. <laughs> in a gross yeah just gross the, the, she looks all like double jointed and grinchy yeah grinchy gross. she's got grinch fingers <laughs> <laughs> what's up with the uh not only the again i keep using the word MacGuffin, which for those of you who are not movie fans is a term coined by uh alfred hitchcock meaning a plot device that is worthless it is made up it's just totally just Something that means nothing other than it moves the plot forward. Right. But the MacGuffin of when they go to Wakanda, home to Black Panther, this year's biggest box office hit, and he they meet Shuri, his sister, who's like the genius Q, right. and she looks at Vision and she's doing a scan of him and she says, there's trillions of connections here, any one of which, if I don't do it correctly, could cause problems. And they say, well, how much time do you need? And she says, well, as much as you can give me. And literally they give her like 20 minutes. <laughs> and she's standing in front of like a, a virtual screen just flicking connections from the picture of a stone. And you think, there were trillions of those. You've been right. flicking a trillion times, two trillion times. Like, do we need trillions? Couldn't you just say there's like thousands? A, there's a thousands. Thou- One thousand yeah. connections would still take you a long time to flick well, from then, this visual. Two trillion. And then while she's like twenty minutes into this this mind-boggling electronic surgery that she's doing, 
Sure enough, war breaks out in the operating room and she needs to start fighting them while Vision's skull is virtually opened on the right. table. Like, so dumb. So dumb. But she does finish like those last two flicks. And right. She's all good. Crazy. <laughs> right. uh, what's up with um, Peter Dinklage playing a giant dwarf? Oh, that was ironic. Was the, Is that the point? I mean, it, I couldn't tell if like you've got a dwarf, but he's a giant dwarf. So we got Peter Dinklage. <laughs> I don't I didn't know how to take that. There's, there's not a lot that fit that casting call in Hollywood today. So, But he was a giant, really. Yeah, he's like, right. He's a right. dwarf, but he's... So anybody could have done that? You should have got like Ian McKellen in there or something like that? I don't know. Yeah, I'm, not, right. I'm just saying I didn't... I and, the way he, and his acting was so broad and over the top. It I felt liked to it, me though. almost like what... Star-Lord was doing when he met Thor, where he was sort of overacting and lowering his voice and using an accent. I felt like, is Dinklage also trying to, like, sound like Thor to Thor? Like, I didn't, I didn't get it. I laughed, but I don't know that I was really supposed to. Yeah, all right. Uh, what's up with how awesome a moment it is when Thanos actually pulls a moon down onto a planet to try and Ooh. kill guys. Yeah. That, that was, was a pretty awesome, like straight out of a comic book, like whole <laughs> type of moment where you're like, sure. damn, that was pretty awesome. Mike, are you ready for five Infinity Wars related questions? I am ready. Let's do it. Let's do it. Five listeners submitted questions. Thank you, listeners. Mike, question number one, is Robert Downey Jr. just a sellout or what? I don't know how to answer that. Is there some sort of gossip about Robert Downey Jr. or just the fact that he's done straight up blockbusters for the last decade where he used to be considered a more indie, serious actor, Academy Award nominated for Chaplin or whatever it was? Uh, no, this is, I don't, this is all the question that Lister gave us. I, I don't I know. Have no background. I, 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 don't, I don't think so. I mean, I. I, I think he's a great actor and has, uh, you know, certainly he's cashed in on some high profile roles, but I, I love him as Tony Stark. I, I think that that's a great role for him. Great. Uh, I, Not I a think sellout. he, Paying he the bills. did. It was fun to see his character and Doctor Strange sort of square off as they're the, the two goateed New Yorkers sort of having at it throughout much of their, their time together on screen. I thought it was sort of a good pairing. Yeah. Question number two, how disappointed were you that Michael Rooker's Yondu was not resurrected to help fight Thanos? Uh, Yondu was in the Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, yeah, I didn't, he was blue, right? Is, okay, yeah, I didn't like that character. That was my least favorite part of the Guardians of the Galaxy, so not disappointed. And wasn't he a villain or was he not a villain in those movies? I'll answer that in a moment, but question okay. 2.A is okay. how surprised are you that you're able to answer that question? <laughs> I, well, I saw two of those movies and one of them not too long ago, so not that surprised. Okay, because I'm right. kind of surprised that you even took a swing at that one. Knowing <laughs> was, your, was he a villain uh, in that movie? If, uh, he, was, uh, he was an antagonist, but okay. by the end of Guardians of the Galaxy 2, remember we find out that he's more of a father figure to Quill than yes, yeah, Quill's yeah, yeah. father. Okay, got and it. Ultimately, got it. he's more. I remember that. All yeah, right. Okay. All right. Question number three. I, again, I'll be surprised. Uh, I'm interested, let's say, to hear your response to this. But the, the okay. listener asks, why has a good Incredible Hulk movie eluded Marvel for so long? 
So there, oh. ha- there's, they've had technically there's Hulk directed by Ang Lee many years ago, and then the Don't Incredible Hulk in 2008 starring Edward Norton. But since then, there has not been an attempt to sort of either reboot or to give the Incredible Hulk his own film. He's been a great supporting character in other films like Thor Ragnarok and even sure. the Avengers. But any thoughts as to why that particular character hasn't gotten his due? He's my least favorite of all the characters in the Avengers series, for sure. I find him kind of boring and bland. And now I didn't see either of those two prior attempts that you mentioned. Um, And I like Mark Ruffalo as an actor, but I don't like him as this character. I find him kind of sort of obnoxious. I can see why they wouldn't want to make a Hulk movie with him and make that the leading character. Wow. That's a surprising answer, given I think most fans would say that Ruffalo has done the best as the Hulk. And, and maybe he has. I, I don't know. There's I, been I just, a lot of clamoring, but... Uh, I don't like the character. I don't like the character. Fair enough. Question number four. Is it a safe assumption that Vin Diesel made more money voicing Groot's three words of dialogue than I will make in my entire life? <laughs> Well, I don't know which of our listeners submitted that, uh, but unless they're incredibly wealthy, I would say that's probably a safe assumption. Probably a safe assumption. Yeah. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Question number five, last question. Tom Holland, who played Spider-Man, was not allowed to read the script, the entire script for this film, because he revealed too many secrets for Spider-Man Homecoming. Do you have any tips on how a a mouthy high school boy can keep his Peter secret? (laughs) That's a great question. I don't know how these Uh, listeners do this. I I didn't know that 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 was a controversy. I guess, what, he must have said something to the media in advance? Spoilers. He's just a spoiler. Okay, Okay, got it. Uh, I would say uh, just remind him that uh, touching your Peter too much will cause you to grow warts and hair on your hands. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sage advice. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that Good was questions. five questions. Thank Thanks, you, listeners. listeners. Thanks, Mike. Uh, buddy, your final thoughts on Avengers Infinity War, likely the largest or biggest movie of the year. I enjoyed it. I think that it, it was a tad long. I really wish that it would have ended here. I think that would have been a great haunting cool badass creative ending to a comic book film i'm sort of disappointed that we pick up the story for another two and a half hours in a year or whatever it's gonna be and pick it up we shall when we see avengers 4 coming out in may 2019 we'll look for that episode soon in the meantime we've got a movie uh, a documentary coming up called delt which is available via amazon itunes Uh, and a number of other streaming services. It's also been on the uh, film festival circuit. If you check out the website for Delt, uh, it's still playing in a couple of outlets, I think, around the country. So we'll be reviewing that next, and we look forward to giving you that episode in a couple of days. Thanks for listening to the Spoiler Alert podcast. Please visit us online at movieoutsiders.com, where you can see what films we'll be discussing next, comment on our recent episodes, suggest movies to review or topics to discuss, or submit questions for the five questions segment of the podcast. Stop by and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash movieoutsiders, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at movieoutsiders. If you're a fan of the show, we'd really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast subscription service you use. 
We'll be back again next week with another episode. But until then, enjoy the movies.